0: Which I don't see happening. Um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three piece towel set and save over forty percent off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a Headgum podcast. Hello, hello, this is Recap the Nation, a Fake the Nation bonus, where we take some of your favorite pop cultural films and TV shows and we recap the stuffing out of them. Today, we are throwing ourselves into the polished utensil drawer that is The Bear. Season 2, episode 7 and 8. Don't worry, regular episodes of Fake the Nation will still appear in this very feed on Thursdays, as they always do, but for today. And until the show is done, we'll be digging into the culinary chaos that is The Bear on FX and Hulu. Joining me May- today oh folks the panel the panel we've assembled um the panel we've we've curated the panel that appears on the menu board of this fine uh, podcasting establishment um is so first of all uh a veteran of fake the nation a veteran of the bear pod she's she's been um one of our main uh bear podcasting panelists here um and I think also because of the strong connection between comedians and chefs that we've established (laughs) the like absurdly strong connection between comedians and chefs. You've seen her on the late show because she's that she's so hilarious that Stephen Colbert agrees that everybody needs to know who she is. She's got two short films and festivals right now um, that that are, that are, that are going to happen this month, which you should absolutely go see. If you're in Portland, you go to the Portland shorts, Portland shorts film festival. And if you're in Austin, you go to the Austin comedy film festival. Um, she's got so much going on because she's just so... Fucking talented It is the one and only Leah Bonama Oh my goodness Nagin Thank you so much You make me feel Warm inside I'm delighted to be here Oh my god So happy to have you Also we had The two of us Have a dream Of our dogs um, Running in a San Diego beach Together Yes uh, We're gonna it's a, it's a vision That we discovered We have And we're gonna Do our very best To make it happen As Leah Even though I have Not accepted it fully Is on the west coast now Um <laughs> Um, so that's. I keep having. hoping you'll come back over. But I, I know mean, it's not gonna you know, happen. it's you know, you know, the New Yorker, the 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 grunt. I mean, the California is always inside of me, which sounds <laughs> so sexual. It does. But let's and I uh, love it. <laughs> let us uh, introduce our next panelist, and she is a first timer to the show. She has been introduced. She, you know, we love uh, Dan Pashman at the Sportful, and and the Sportful when they heard we were doing these recaps. I mean, they just had. One of their top recommendations was this woman. She's a she was a producer at the BBC um, in cultural programming for a very long time. Again, BBC, fancy, you know what I mean? Um, then she moved over to to NBC to do creative video production. Just fancy. Now she's involved in a bunch of like just high level, still under the wraps projects that we're just so excited for her to eventually announce. Um, she is the one and only Deborah Braskin. Hey, Deborah.
1: Hi. Hi. I- I feel like I I feel like I'm the original chaos menu of a person. <laughs> I think that's how I get to be here. I'm like a living embodiment of a chaos menu.
0: Right. You're you're there's seven fishes in there. There's also uh, reduced creams. I don't know.
1: Um, and the eighth fish. I ate pizza, eight fish.
0: <laughs> um, by the way, I think I've mentioned this on their show before, but I was a waitress in London at a pizza hut. Oh, wow. And one of the things that I thought was the most truly maniacal about the British was that they would order prawns on a pizza. And I just was Oof. like, burn the country to the ground. I don't <laughs> understand what we're doing. And I, as a waitress, have to deliver this monstrosity to a table? Nightmare. Also, yes, I worked at the most American place ever while I was in London. Don't worry about it.
1: Did you sample one of, one of their finest delicacies? I say they owls. I'm like half South African, half British. Um, did you try the prawn crisp? So no, they will make no. chips out of prawns. This like, also sounds as in prawn like prawn flavors. This I feel like not is like, something not, that you
0: buy at like the Korean like supermarket in the East Village. So is that is it similar to that?
1: those those like prawn chips I realise like in in sort of Chinese Asian restaurants. Yeah. Like those deep fried things. No, they will have like prawn as a seasoning, as a flavoring for a crisp.
0: Oh, it's I don't agree with that I don't agree with that Okay, Well, listen, (laughs) folks, before we hop into these episodes I just want to remind listeners That if you have been enjoying this recap pod And maybe you've also been enjoying Fake the Nation You're getting a two-for-one every week um, Go ahead and consider joining the Patreon At patreon.com slash Nagin You get actually extra episodes of Fake the Nation Um, It's where the wild stuff happens And um, all of your favorite panelists are uh are repping hard. Um so go to patreon.com slash Farsad. For as little as $4 a month, you could support the show. You can also just like support the show at $1 a month and get nothing out of it <laughs> except for knowing that you're supporting it. Um, but for as little as $4 a month you get extra stuff. $5 a month, there's a thing. There's there's t shirts, there's uh there's mugs, there's all sorts of um goodies that happen at higher levels. Um, but go consider checking that out. Uh it's it's really um it's really a good time. And thank you so much to all the people that already do support the show. But now let us get into episode seven, Forks. So Ooh, I'm ready. Episode seven starts with cousin Richie being um, punished by polishing forks in the best restaurant in the world, um, which by the way uh, for, for listeners who might not know, this was actually filmed at a restaurant called ever in Chicago, um, which I think I believe is two Michelin stars, not three. I mean, trash. Um, <laughs> and no, I'm sure it's like the most, I think it's like, I, it's, it looks like it's the fucking best restaurant in the world. Um, and as he toils away at this prestigious, Stage, uh, stage. <laughs> I wrote stage in my notes. Stage. Um, we get a sneak peek of the new restaurant. Like we juxtapose this with the bear, and we're seeing a montage of of the furnishings and the finishing ma- um, ca- marble countertops and just the general elegance. Richie forms the meat of the episode, but before we get into that, can I just tell you that I felt this like frisson of excitement when I saw the almost finished restaurant, when they would like lift the paper from the marble and then touch the marble. And I just was like, oh God. And I felt nervous. I felt excited. What, what feelings did you have just getting this glimpse? We've only seen destruction and broken drywall. This is our first time we're really like seeing
1: something. What did you feel? I mean, my first thing was like, they fondle a lot of tabletops in this show. There's a lot of like, <laughs> there's a lot of like a hand dragging along a surface, and there was so much fondling, and yes. uh, I got very, very excited. But yeah, the nerve started to kick in. You're like, oh no, shit! When something starts to look beautiful, there's that fear of of what it can become, and all of the ugly kitchens we've seen in the show so far. So I started to get like quite enamored and quite tense.
2: I uh, Two thoughts. One, I uh, definitely with the fondling. Everything is so sort of sensory in this, so with the touching yeah. and the eating and the listening and the up close in the faces. And I honestly was like, I'm surprised we got this far. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, you guys, we're finally getting a little unveiling. I was afraid we wouldn't even get to this. I'm also so emotionally invested in Richie. I don't know why he's the person I've hooked into so deeply that I was like... Uh, very tunnel visioned on this episode because I don't know, you know, when you're like, why have I hooked into this person? Uh, But Richie is my tunnel vision.
0: Well, I want to, I mean, we're going to talk about Richie basically this, this uh, for this whole um, part of this recap because um, well, first there was a notable needle drop at the top of the show with na- with the David Byrne song, Song, Glass, Concrete, and Stone, which I thought was really so good. <laughs> perfectly chosen so and good. really appropriate. But never mind that, because th- like I said, this whole episode is about polishing the forks. And in many ways, this episode wants us to take back the fork from the menacing state that we were shown forks in episode six, <laughs> if you'll just like join me in having a slight PTSD about forks and Michael in episode six. Woo! But... Obviously, at first, Richie hates where he's at. He is at one of those places that Carmi trained at, right? He's at a fucking serious restaurant. He's so skeptical of the whole thing. But he is looking for purpose, and he has a conversation with his immediate boss who explains the ethic of the restaurant, which is that every day is the Super Bowl. And you kind of see a little flicker. I mean, Leah, did you feel like... Were you with us? Were you? Were you with Richie on his
2: flicker of change? You mean in the first? In the well, I love that we're starting off with the. Um, I also just woke up over on the west coast, okay. so it's like I mean, I woke up two hours early to be like wake up, but um, I just feel not as fast talking yet. Like my lips haven't quite. You're, reached I the mean, rest of me.
0: you're you're doing great, and also you t- like Richie are you know in flux. You know what I mean.
2: I literally was like, I'm going to set my alarm earlier than Richie did in the
1: first (laughs) 538.
2: (laughs) But I love that we have this juxtaposition between how he's living in his personal life and getting there with how organized the restaurant is. Yes. And um, just so obviously we can see that transition, but also it just feels so because you're always like, Richie, why would you say that? Why would you do that? Like, don't do that. Can you reel it in here? And then when we meet this man who's like, every day is the Super Bowl get those streaks out and you're like, which way is Richie going to go? Yeah. I'm hoping so bad that he goes the way I want him to. But honestly, especially after the last episode, this could go either way.
0: Yeah. Uh, How how are you feeling about Richie's possibilities
1: here? Debra I Well So this is This is the thing This is also one of these things That I love about the show Is that the antagonist Is not It's not a person It's not like A moment It's like People against themselves Or the situations That they find themselves in So we don't have to like Fake watch him Suck at something Or like Fuck something up We can actually Watch him Learn Get better see the spark of like what has value and it's so clear I think that like Richie thinks that if something is difficult it has value or if something is, um, is, is sort of specific or hard it has value and he thinks that all of this is really easy and now he's being shown that actually to polish a fork is really hard and he's like oh okay there's maybe some value there and then like he's spoken to about respect and he's like I can do respect that part of his macho thing he's like that's a word I know so like I can I can give people respect for what they're doing and so that's where the kind of glimmer starts. And then you start to see, you know, he, he starts to almost understand this is when they juxtapose it with the other restaurant. He understands where Kami's coming from, because they've been shitting on Kami since he arrived. Right. And they're like, you know, you and the fancy and you left. And like, that's been the narrative, like, un- you know, explicit in the first season and like underlying here. But now he gets to like go, oh, shit, like the stuff that Kami says they're doing here as well. And like the stuff that Kami um, does, does have a value. It's not just my idiot, you know, younger, br- like best friend's younger brother. And like watching Richie turn on to the value of the small things I thought was just soothing, actually. It's like watching him calm down. Yes. ugh, I love Richie and it, so much.
0: And it's funny. I mean, he's, four, you know, like the the uh, the other thing that's happening a lot in this episode is he's talking about I'm 45 years old and I'm polishing forks, you know. He gets um he gets a call from his ex that she's getting married. Like we are seeing his personal reality, which I think he feels is not, you know, obviously he loves his daughter and that, that part is going well. And he got her Taylor Swift tickets, which is by the way, extremely difficult. So how did he do that? You know, but he, he his way into getting Taylor Swift tickets and he, and he says, well, I got three tickets if you want to come. And then it's just this fucking brutal conversation where she says, I'm getting married. You know, my my boyfriend proposed and I said yes. And she ended with, I, I, but I love you or whatever. Yes. Oh, Leah, can you talk to me about what all of us were feeling in that in with this call?
2: Well, A, I felt very proud of Richie because I thought he handled it very well. I, yeah, I could see that totally. he was like coming from his place of being like such a proud dad, you know, he he so wants this relationship. And then I love that they have the train run right as he says his response. And I felt like when she said, as soon as she said, I have something to talk to you about, I knew what it was. And I was like, no. Yeah. Um, But I also felt when she said he's a nice man or the words that she used to describe her now fiance that you could tell like they had this fiery hot love that was tumultuous and she's basically like, I felt like she was saying he's sort of like this calm, it's not like the same kind of a love, but it's like this, he's a stable person. And I thought Richie handled it very uh, maturely and I felt so sad for all of us.
1: Uh, So sad. I like howled when the thing went, you know, when the train went across. I was like, no, I can't bear it. I
0: yeah. To cry. yeah, it was. I mean, because you feel he was oh,
1: God? He was
0: holding on to this thing. And it's interesting because I've also had friends and who have a breakup and have a hard time accepting that it's over. And you know what I mean? And you just want to sort of be like, hey, there's other things you could do and there's other fun you can have and there's other people you will meet. And it's so hard to believe that. Throw a fucking child into the mix. It's like obviously way worse, way harder. Your whole idea of like, I'm going to be in this nuclear family and then we're going to go old together. and We're going to sit on these fucking, um, you know, this, these chairs on a porch and sip mint juleps when we're 80 or whatever. Like, oh, that whole vision crumbles to the ground. And... You know, and it's, I think it's just some for some people, and I think Richie is one of these people, like, he cannot quite. Let go Right Mm -hmm. He has a hard time Adapting He has a hard time Adjusting I mean the bear The the beef was changing Into the bear Before it Formally changed Into the bear And he had a hard time All of season one He had a hard time Right And so this man Is not the kind of guy That can just Immediately change over So he is like His transformation Has been Much harder Fought I think um, Than like Someone like Tina who was able to like get over herself in season one and fucking get on board or whatever, you know? Um, let's talk about the Richie getting the idea of fine dining in this episode, because one of the things he they talk about, and this again, comedy, anybody? One of the thing they talking about is that that is is about the idea of making someone's day. Um, and they do research on these people who come to dinner at this beautiful restaurant that 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 they were filming at the Ever, and they find out the two people there are teachers, and they saved up for this meal, right? So they decide to pull out all the stops for this couple. They're gonna get a tour. They're gonna get all the extras, and they're not gonna be charged for this meal, and like that, I just I was like welling up, like at how amazing it is. <laughs> I'm going to gonna mix, cry again right now. I know. How amazing is it to make someone's day? And part of me understood that as, oh, you know, I think what fine dining and comedy have in common is that they're not fucking necessary, right? Like we're not in, we're not doctors over here. We're not fucking necessary. But we do have the capacity to make someone's day, and I really got that about fine dining in this episode. Uh, Leah, how did you? How did you feel about that?
2: Um, I definitely. I don't know. I, I'm so emotional. I really am going to cry again about the. Teachers. <laughs> oh yeah, I Let's did. Just
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. pissed out yeah. the yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Totally. And- and when to see Richie start to understand, especially since his gift is people and we want to be like, just let go of how you think you have to do it and land on this new platform, which you're going to be great at. Um, uh, To see him see that, I I feel like, would we say she's a maitre d', I, the woman who's like the calling out all the numbers yeah and has all the yeah um that I think she's the maitre d i think yeah because i didn't work in restaurants c- uh, that had uh no people passing notes Yeah, i'm gonna say but, that uh,
0: a reminder to everyone pizza hut is <laughs> one of my experiences continue <laughs>
2: <laughs> but to see him be like oh how did you do that and how did you do that and then uh when they brought the food out and he was like Fuck yeah! And they were like swearing, but you could see him emotionally kicking in because he got to see the interaction with the people. And then, obviously, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead, so I won't say anything. But no, the no, it's okay. Dish scene. I felt like the deep dish scene was the the big the reward. Turnip-
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, the big the big arc. Well, talk about it. I mean, so what happens is there there's a couple there there's a family there or something. They talk about how they had come to Chicago, and the mom or something says. Like, oh, man, I'm not going to have deep dish before I leave Chicago. They overhear it. That it turns up, into a it. little note, whatever, right? And makes it back to the kitchen. And they're like, "Uh, so you're going to make them, you know, Richie's like, so what are you going to do? Make them deep dish pizza. And it's like, no, dude, you're going to go pick up a famous deep dish pizza, which I think was called like pecan. Some, I actually learned this and I immediately forgot it. But there's a place in Chicago where they picked up the deep dish pizza, brought it back to the restaurant. And Leah, explain what they did. So he sprints. Uh, and that's a Richie yeah. g- gift.
2: He's like, yes. I'm going to go get it. And he runs and he gets it and he brings it back. And let the chef then cuts it into little baby round shapes and then redoes it and makes it beautiful. And then Richie says, can I bring it out? <sighs> oh. And a part yeah. of me, I was so excited for him, but I was also terrified. You know, he put the, yes. the plate behind his back and I was like, please, it's don't, gonna fuck tip. It's gonna please tip. don't fuck this up.
1: Please don't fuck this up. But that's the thing. We're so trained to, to like see these people and go, oh, this is going to be a fuck up because this is how TV works and everything. And it just completely yes. undermined because he's just, I mean, whatever. You keep going. He's so suave. No, no, jump in. It goes oh, so great. It goes so great. And like he lights up and like watching somebody light up is just the best. And you can see and he knows what he's going to do. And it's funny, at this moment, I was like, the name of this episode is like, I think it's, um, it's Forks. But I feel like it's, you know, the one in which Richie learns soft skills. Because what he realizes (laughs) is is like that he can serve. And this is what we've seen him do already. He got the Taylor Swift tickets.
0: Yeah. That is I mean, no he's joke. like he's like Janet. he's like Janet Yellen in
1: China, it, right? He's like
0: di- doing <laughs> exactly. the totally high th- level diplomacy
1: of life right here. Totally my thought. I went straight there as well. No, but like <laughs> but like so, you know, he's 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 it's dawned on him that the thing he is innately good at is the thing that is valuable. And like no one's told this man that it's like really hard to do what he's good at and like should be rewarded. And so he's been, you know, trying to do electrics and a number of other things, or like be a big boss. And it's like, no, we need you for who you are. And like that, you know, you see it, you see it dawn, and then he sort of riffs on himself and he offers a couple of drinks and like upsells a bit. And then gets out at the right time. I was like, please yes. Jesus, don't overstay your welcome. Yeah. Please like fuck off now. Go, 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 go. Anyway. Totally. And, he went, oh.
0: and then and then he fucking You know, he he hangs out with the other staff Whatever, they do like a little Tasting contest thing and then he gets into his car and he speeds home, listening to Taylor Swift, which has been <laughs> a torture device of his daughter, which he reclaims as a moment of triumph. Which, by the way, I cannot believe, as someone who has licensed music for film, I cannot believe they spent an entire Marvel movie budget on buying this one Taylor Swift song, Love Story, uh, parentheses Taylor's version, um, for the this joyride but it was so perfect and he's fucking belting tay tay and it was like the 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 fucking change was complete because he had made someone's night right he made someone's night and then the next morning he meets fucking oscar award-winning actress olivia coleman Oh, Folks, come on. Talk to oh me, Leah. God. Talk to me about this scene. I can't.
2: Uh, quick rollback. I would like to believe that
1: she gave that song to them for free. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean my producer. She's is making a little bit of money right now, so <laughs> my producer brain also exploded. I was like, "How much did they spend?" You know, like takes you right out of the thing. I was like, "Jeez." Okay.
0: I, I in
2: my mind I, I felt like she was like Oh no I want to give it to you I hope it has to do With Richie's character arc And they were like Yes, yes. And she's
1: like Take it <laughs> Okay great 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 Yes yeah. That That Yes
2: <laughs> I tried really hard Not to pay attention To anything About this show Outside of watching it For these recaps So yep. I didn't know That we were going to walk Into Olivia Colman. Me
3: neither
0: Me neither Me neither
2: And so we When we got there I, I was I was I, I was audibly I was like Woo You know, and I mean, we're just going to peel the the mushroom skin back because I uh, you you spoke to it earlier. I think it is this sort of like this frenetic energy that uh, Richie's fighting against himself to get to this calm place um, where he can just be. And then she's sitting there in the silence with like the white and then this and then the black outfit. And she's just peeling the skin off the mushrooms and then he tries it and then they're doing this sort of meditative beautiful thing that she does for the guests and then they have this
0: phenomenal conversation
1: it It was a poem
0: yeah deborah talk to me about this conversation and like what it meant about the human condition i
1: mean i mean (laughs) once i once i sort of stopped gasping i was like it's olivia colman um The this scene is like a poem. It's like self-contained. It's just perfect. The things that are lined up at the top of the scene have a payoff at the end of the scene. Um, It's so gently delivered as well. And the best part about it to start at the end is that Richie knows who she is. You know, it's again, it wasn't one of these cheap tricks where and now there's the reveal. He bloody knows who she is. Of course he does. But Richie's gift is to talk to everybody the same way and like we see that he is good at this kind of chat he is good at this conversation and he's still feeling sore because I think he still um thinks of what he's been doing as punishment he got really angry at Kami like the night before he's like you sent me here to punish me or to like make me feel bad and then the next morning when he needs the affirmation and doesn't realize that he needs the affirmation from something external and then she turns around and she says you know he said he said you were good with people I don't do favors um was just like a perfect coda to like Richie's whole arc of like finding a skill believing in it not trusting it and then having it like rubber stamped by you know her highness Olivia Coleman and I and I I just I also love that it took down it gave us another kind of chef so it wasn't like an angry screaming you know like white you know white spit in the corner of your mouth kind of like you know sports coach kind of angry person and so we just got this lovely softly spoken person again who's like highlighting that it's about detail it's about skill it's about the smallest smallest things and I was just like it didn't it it I it was just it was so it was so perfect and that
0: also that she was older and she took a risk on a restaurant at a later stage in life because she, and she had failed yeah yeah oh I loved that. Before. Yeah. And that that it's never too late. And I think that's not the vision of a chef we got from Joel McHale. And I think what's really brilliant about this show is they set up expectations and then they break them constantly. Like when Richie pushed the the plate of um, deep dish pizza behind him, you're just like, fuck, it's gonna fall. Something terrible is gonna happen. Because they set that up for us in like episode two or three of season one. Like shit happens in a restaurant. But then... Um, and a lot of things fall in season one. Right. But not here. He, it doesn't fall. They set up an expectation only to like be like, yeah, you fuckers thought what you knew what we were going to do story wise. Well, you were wrong. And did you know that Olivia Coleman is also a chef, but she's like a kinder, more more reasonable, more teaching oriented chef who can give you the nuggets of wisdom while peeling back a mushroom? fuck you guys and your expectation we are one step ahead of you and i feel like that's such excellent writing um let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll launch into episode 8
3: HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames dot com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to
1: Aura. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
0: And we are back and let's get into it with episode eight, um, Bolognese, Carmen. Now it starts with Carmen happy with the girl. It's just a montage of, uh, smooching and whatnot. um, also, uh, a needle drop: Brian Eno and John Cale, the song "Lay My Love," which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've mentioned the music throughout the episode, and listeners have emailed me about these songs. Really great songs, very expensive songs, um, and really great songs. Uh, Ebra returns in this episode, and he liked how things were before. And Tina lets him know that they're going to keep a sandwich window so that people can still get their favorites. And I really loved this little, little tiny part of it. It was almost like you could miss this little conversation. But because I wanted to talk a little bit about like the idea of the bear is this new thing. It's not about old chicago it's about a more elevated chicago um and and it's about the the nature of things changing a neighborhood and whether or not you're able to buy them i mean wh- whether or not you're able to like um accept them rather deborah what did you think of ebra's you know arc throughout this of like being resistant um to change
1: i thought i thought it was a brilliant it's a brilliant kind of trait to have in like personality type to have in the in the show because this idea that everybody wants to be better and everyone's training up and then there's a winning it's like where does it end we can't all we don't all want to be god yeah. at the end of the day and like there is a value in things that, is, that are staying the same i think there's maybe uh maybe like a little anti-capitalist moment in that as well it's like Things that are good—if it ain't broke, don't fix it—and everybody is kind of wants to be where where they are. I did think that um, his resistance—you know—he'd been talking about his youth in the first in the first season, and yeah, his resistance to the uniform, the idea that he he would like a sort of a freer flowing life, but one that sort of meant something to him, one that he could control, one that he could contain, and one that like fit him—is a really valuable thing to to want. Yeah. And they validated it because I was—I mean, there is there was a point where I was like. Like, are we just not going to talk about the fact that they've just put fine dining in the middle of a sandwich shop and, like, what that means? And then they've 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 shown the acknowledgement of it. And I, I love him coming back. And I love that also we didn't have to watch too much of a fuss about, like, him dropping out cul- of culinary school. Right. And I was right. so, so fucking grateful we didn't have to watch too many episodes of him struggling while everyone else flew. Yes. Again, that, that kind of thwarted look. I was like, I just can't bear it. I can't bear it. This guy's, you know, he's got so much of a backstory. He's such a profound character character I would watch a whole show about him anyway and like just to have his place and to have it acknowledged again there is no like wacky side character and I think that's brilliant
2: I also yeah. do. I love what you said about they don't show us the, these things. I, I feel like there's so much in this show where they don't show us certain th- scenes like dates that Carmi goes on and all these things. And they to trust us, the audience, to catch up. And uh, there's totally. many scenes where I'm like, thank God we didn't have to see that. You know what I mean? Totally. We just keep it moving and we get it. In t- and I love that about this show. And then I this scene also when uh, Tina says, I love how they have the conversation and basically how she's like, you got these badass friends around you. Um, I just thought that was just like such a beautiful,
1: uh, beautiful friendship. Yeah, I think, you know, they're like a team. Well, exactly, exactly. I was going to say this kind of emphasis on team. We have it with like the sports coach talking in the beginning about the importance of team, which is why when you see it fraying, that's what started to stress me out. And, you know, like you know people dropping the ball or leaving somebody behind I'm like oh shit you know it's got to, it's got to be a team effort and like the actual use of the word team by Tina there I was like there it is there it is okay yes
0: absolutely and i also just want to say just in terms of like a neighborhood changing and how it makes people feel literally today i walked by this magazine shop Um, that's been in the neighborhood since 1987 and it's just like this fantastic magazine shop and you can also just get like you know a pretty fucking mediocre cup of coffee and you know you can buy your 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 candy bars and like your scratch off lottery tickets or whatever and and it's just and it's it's chaos magazine shop like magazines are (laughs) strewn about you can't like figure out the day I mean but it's wonderful right and it has like truly everything in stock and um and there and after 36 years there you know they had a sign up today that was like written in sharpie and uh, that was like oh and now we're we're closing today like <gasps> and i went in and got my last batch of like magazines or whatever and i was just like why are you closing you know like are you going to go m- open something else or whatever and the guy was like you know sometimes things just end and i was like oh. Oh. <laughs> and so and it's like you know sometimes Things just end and Ebra has to like also accept that and neighborhoods have to accept that. And it's like, well, what did I expect? This fucking guy had to sell me magazines for the rest of my <laughs> life? Like that's not a fair <laughs> expectation, right? Um so anyway, I I do love um I do love the little homage to old and new that this show does. But while that's going on for Ebra, Carmen keeps sipping Pepto and um, <laughs> Richie apologizes to, to Sugar. Yes. And he's wearing, guys, he's wearing a fucking suit because he's a suit it's guy suit. now. Leah, talk to me about he's a suit guy now. Um,
2: Just to go back to the, I think... Wh- Reference the last episode yeah. as we see like he's getting up earlier and earlier and then that last day because he said if you Guys need me and the guy was like, you know, I I don't make those decisions and then he gets up later again And you're like no, are we gonna slide back? But then he organizes his kitchen mm-hmm. um and then yeah. And I'm I will get back to your question. I'm just so, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no leading for it. up to it with a slow. I'm a I'm a not a quick person. Yeah Yeah um, you're bra- you're, this
0: is bra- your thought is brazing, if you will. <laughs> oh, Ooh. and I would. And I would. <laughs> um, and then in the
2: last moment with Olivia Colman, because it's when I started noticing this, I feel like they do this a bunch with his character. He says, oh, wait, what, what was the thing in your father's journal? And then the, it goes silent. And then he sees the thing on the wall and the music kicks in. And then I feel like we get this new Richie who he says, I wear this suit. It makes me feel good about myself. And it goes back to that conversation about he was like, I can do respect. And it's an armor. And I love that because that also reminds me of comedy. I have three outfits that I wear. That are my armor. Yes. Um, This is my outfit. This is my suit for my job where things slide off because I'm playing a specific part of myself who's more, you know, confident. Yep. Um, And then I love that he comes in to apologize. And then she brings in... (laughs) (laughs) The other guy and you're like, is he going to bounce now and be like, I'm not doing this in front of another person. But then he gives this really genuine, heartfelt apology. And we see her face change and realizing, oh, this is like a legit apology. apology."
1: And I thought that was really nice. I thought she was so good. That face, oh, that yeah, face yeah. change as she's like, you yes. know, you know, he's he thinks everyone's just going to take the piss. He's like, I'm in a suit. And actually everyone just is like, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's, you look great. You look good. You look great. And her face, I mean, I, again, that's also where I cried. Yeah, I'll just mark yes. where I cried. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just yes, yes. Bawled. I was like, oh.
0: And she I love also her role in this season. And I love that this actor has been able to be really more fully developed. But Leah, I'd love what you said about armor and having three outfits to do stand up in. And I, it's funny because I literally wrote down I'm a suits guy essentially, too. <laughs> and and it's because in and I, I don't have like three things that I wear, but I have like a style of things that I wear, right? Like I, I'm in like you know, I'm just particular about the clothing I wear publicly, and um, and it's because it makes me fucking feel better. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes yeah. me fucking feel better. It makes me feel like a professional. It makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel like I can do my job. It makes me feel like I can go fucking try new material at like a you know on a shitty Tuesday night, and and still feel like. I'm, I'm doing the, um, the, work of a real professional. And that is, um, something I totally get, you know, um, and I, I, I also, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time. So, so that's the, the Richie and Natalie and, um, part of it. But another thing we do in this episode is we watch Carmen have conversations with people about whether or not Claire is his girlfriend, Deborah. Talk to me about this discourse. I mean, uh,
1: uh. ugh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my summary. Yeah, write it down. Um, the... I think you mentioned on a previous e- like episode you were discussing whether Kami's a virgin or not. And, like, he definitely isn't. But, like, I don't think right. he clearly has not been in a relationship. And I yes. think, um, and you know what, like, this, this dichotomy of, like, girlfriend, friend who's a girl. You know, that that's kind of cute window dressing. I mean, I love the idea that sort of the episode starts with her like poo bearing around the apartment and also like the bottle of tums in the background. I was like we're in for a we're in for an anxiety ridden yes. time. Um and it's so clear that he loves her and it's just like oh my heart died with how how Cute, they are, and how much he loves her. And it's so clear. But the thing that I thought was so interesting about their relationship is exactly what Leah, Leah was saying, which is like that he's that it's off, it's off screen for most of it. We see these kind of like places where they glance by each other, which kind of drive the message home. But it's how he talks to others about her. And the one that kills me is him and Sid. She yes. is, I think it's so misinterpreted. Talk about, talk about this scene under the table. Well, so the. I mean, if if this is the one we're talking about, like, it's that she, Sid has, Sid has come out of chef school, she's failed at a business, and she's met one of the world's great chefs who she is now partnering with. That is such a privileged position, and the way he trusts her, the way he believes in her, I think is so cool. I think it's such a great character sketch of Kami, is that he sees value where there is skill, and he will recognize it. You know, they they never jostled. But, she is proud of that relationship. And then he's yeah. basically emotionally cheating on Sid with Claire. Suddenly there's right, this random sorry, woman. And, and I
0: think I'm getting my scenes confused. But yes, she, the, the, I think under the table is the next scene, yeah. the next episode. But in this scene, he's just sort of, she's sort of like, 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 she's your girl. Like, don't be shitty. Like, she's your girlfriend or whatever. Well,
1: this is the thing. It's because he's downplaying who who she is, like, friend who's a girl. And this friend who's a girl is having opinions about their menu. Sid's way of kind of fighting back is going, well, if she's your girlfriend, then I almost, good for you. And I kind of understand why this woman might have something to say. But it's just like, it downgrades everything about Sid for him to... Not explicitly acknowledge his feelings for Claire and also that he didn't tell her about it. So, I mean, just Sid has just been out there laboring and he, you know, in her mind, he's been off gallivanting with this woman and putting her in second place and she should be in first place. They're doing the most difficult thing on the planet together. And she has to hear about what some ER doctor thinks about a Jew. I mean, I'd hit the fucking ceiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, you exactly.
0: Know? It's like, if this person isn't fucking important to you, then like, what are we even doing having a conversation about her, like, remotely? Which I totally get. Um, I also, be, you know, we have to wrap up soon, like, very quickly, but I just had to mention that Marcus shows them the Michael at the end of this episode. Oh, my God, my episodes are blending in my head, but this is what my notes this say, is, so I'm going to believe it. Isn't the gas one? This no, is this is the, the gas one. Yes, yeah. the gas one. Yes, this is the this Oh, it's right, the the fire suppression test. They <laughs> they they win the fire they win. They uh they are they know now that they're going to open. Um and the they the way they did that fire suppression test by the way, like counting down. Like, and with all the edits of all of their minds, yes, quick montages (gasps) of what's going on in each person's head. This has to work for everybody, and you get really get that sense in this 10 second countdown that actually takes like 60 seconds. Um, uh, how did you feel um, about the fire suppression test?
2: I love that scene so much. I love the countdown. I like that we get every exactly what you just said. Everybody needs this. And I, was, I actually stood up. I only do this during horror movies because sometimes I watch through the kitchen door because I can't handle it. I stood up. I walked across the room and I watched through the crack in the door because I was like, I can't take this. And then when he said, "Congrats, you have a restaurant," to Natalie, I just threw a box of tissues across the room. I was like, ah. "It was such a like build up," and then I was like, "Thank you."
1: <laughs> Deborah, final thoughts on this episode? Oh, I mean, I just I I loved it. I loved the um. I loved watching the relationship with Claire. I do think it was also. I mean, it was also like an exercise in men not doing emotional labor or like asking women to do emotional labor. Like, is she my girlfriend? It's like, oh, for God's sake, dude, like, I don't know. Just go figure it out. But uh, he's so, I mean, and like, you're
0: right. He's not a virgin, but he's a fucking virgin. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he does not He's so emotionally underdeveloped. He spent so much time cooking that he did, that he underbaked his feelings. What? what, hey, what? Hey. And, <laughs> and so, so he like never ha- hasn't been able to like identify feelings, name them. You know what I mean? The, the basic stuff that, uh, that, uh, that so many of the men in my, that I dated in my twenties were unable to do as well. well right,
1: Deborah? Exactly well I mean exactly but also the other bit that that I I, I loved was I loved like basically Chekhov's Jewish Lightning um, which is the only way to think of like so you know Jewish Lightning is mentioned in an earlier episode and they're like we definitely cannot say that (laughs) which um, it's all right. I'm here as the Jewish atheist Um, you know we definitely (laughs) cannot say that and then like later on he's sort of like we have to say it (laughs) and they they have to sort of go and deal with it Um, and again it's like there is nothing there is nothing unconsidered in this show even their montage like how slightly different they were to like tell us what they you know what what people are thinking. And also it's just a brilliant, brilliant exercise in show, don't tell. There's no exposition, yeah. there's nobody standing mm. there going, This has to work, otherwise I'm going to lose my relationship with my uh, daughter.
0: Dialogue like that, that you want to just kill yourself when you hear dialogue like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, well, this is
1: it. You know, I always think about it. Like, I have a brother. Not once in my life have I called him bro upon walking into a room to establish to some <laughs> unknown audience what our relationship is, you know? So, um, yeah, so I just, I, I thought this is a complete exemplar of the nuance of this show, of how good it looks, of, you know, the relationships. And also, I mean, I had to go and have, I had to go and sort of have a walk around afterwards because the tension was not going to relieve itself. I was just like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Good and God. this is um, a, a fabulous place to end. It is the type of show that you need to go have a nice stroll and do some breathing, okay? before these, Before and after these, episodes because you're in for a ride. Um, thank you so much um, for joining me. What a, I could talk about this show for hours with you guys, but what I would really love is for people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and the wonderful things that you do. And Leah... We talked about your short films, but I also hear tell that there's a show you're doing out of town. I want to hear all about it so the people can come see you. Oh, yes. Oh my goodness, Nagin. thank you so much. I So I'm
2: going I'll be in Austin on, on at the end of the month on uh July 30th. That's a Sunday for the Austin Comedy Film Festival, and then that night, the person who I co-wrote the film with, Ken- Kendra Cunningham, who you know Nagin, we are co-headlining the Creek in the Cave in Austin on sunday, august uh, Sunday, July thirtieth please come out. Creek in the cave, 8 p.m. Austin, Texas.
0: Folks, um, Kendra and Leah are two of my favorite people ever. And they do some of my favorite comedy ever. So you should definitely, definitely go. If you are in Austin, which I know we have a a bunch of Fake the Nation listeners in Austin, go, 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 go go see them on July 30th. Deborah, where do
1: they find you? Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at MFEOC. And you can follow my cat, who's Desperately important and probably has more interesting things to say than me currently at Mister Pretty Whiskers, and I'm somewhere on Threads. No idea where. Find me. I've I've I've, I've posted exactly exactly one thread, um, but you know maybe maybe that's where we'll start cultivating a little a little community about you know bear lovers. Actually I'm definitely right. definitely not gonna call it that. That's a different community. Bear, I know. You're like you're like <laughs> yeah, second
0: no, meaning of bear lovers. Slip into that hashtag. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: it's the strangest Venn diagram very, of hashtags. Very ever. confusing. Yeah. There are well, no the, hashtags on fre- on threads. <laughs>
0: Um, find, uh, find Deborah on threads and Instagram <laughs> and find her cat and uh, don't use bear lovers. Um, and uh, folks, you know where to find me and all the things that I do, but I want to remind listeners to go to patreon.com slash Farsad to support the show. I also want to thank our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, for making this show happen. I want to thank Gabi Alter for our theme music and I want to thank everyone at HeadGum um, for making this show a possibility. And you can reach us at Fake the Nation Podcast at gmail.com, and we will be back in your earballs on Thursday.
3: That was a headgum podcast.